In keeping with the theme of Advent, I was able to interview the author of my favorite Christmas book, Patty Kirk. Her book is titled The Gospel of Christmas, Reflections for Advent. So last week, we talked about Advent and waiting. Not waiting for God, but waiting with God. Today we work with Advent as a hope, a future tense, a time to be actively aware of the connection between the now and the future, and to ask the question, what good am I expecting spiritually in the coming days? My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. Okay, Patty. I have I have a confession to make. What? Reading a Christmas book is not really something I would do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I would avoid reading a Christmas book. But you 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 won me over. Oh well, wonderful. <laughs> it's it's. Well, why would you avoid reading a Christmas book? Oh, I don't know. I think the idea that it's maybe kind of hokey or. You know, kind yeah. of sappy. Yeah, um, this is I, this is not your your typical reason for the season sappy Christmas book. I don't think. No. So it is about the reason for the season, but it's not in that kind of um, I don't know certain way that we have of writing Christmas books, especially as Christmas Christians. Right. Right. No. No. It's it's uh, it's gritty and honest and beautiful. But you write so well. I absolutely love your 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 writing. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about the book and kind of how it came to be for you. Well, I have not always been a Christian. Um, I was raised Catholic, and I was really involved as a young child in my faith and growing up even into my younger teenage years. But then in my teenage years, as a result of teenage years and maybe um, a bunch of family traumas, um, I, my faith just left me. So I spent a good part of my life as a non-believer mm-hmm. and became a believer again after I had had children um, in my late 30s. Okay. And because of that journey, I guess, I, and I was also during this time writing, I became a writer during the the years of my atheism. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing I started doing when I became a Christian was writing about my faith struggles and my faith and different things to do with my faith. So, um, and also Christmas time has always been like really an important time of the year for me in terms of my spiritual involvement. Um, It was a time of the year when bad things happened to me in my past life. And it was a time of the year that I found really electrifying, as most kids do when I was a child. And we used to go to midnight mass, and that was just really exciting to me. So during my return to faith, every Christmas I would write essays about some aspect of Christmas that I was preoccupied with at that time. And I soon had this big folder full of essays relevant to Christmas, and I had meanwhile published um, several books, uh, Christian books, on other topics. So I thought, well, I think I could make this into a book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it totally works together. Um, I mean, they're, they're seamless in a sense. 
what, what were you hoping to, for readers to, to, to get out of uh, your book? One thing I think is that we re-encounter the Christmas story pretty much only at Christmas time every year, and we think we pretty much know it. And our, as I, I like to say to my students, our ears glaze over. We hear the words, but we don't really hear the words. Um, we see the words, and we don't really see the words because we're not seeing them in this fresh way that we could see them, um, that the Israelites yearning for a Messiah might have seen uh, the Christmas, heard the Christmas story, or as the shepherds heard the Christmas story, or as um, somebody who wasn't a believer and came to faith suddenly heard the Christmas story. And we don't, I don't think we really realize that the, the story of the birth of Jesus is the gospel too, just like the story of his death and resurrection is the gospel. And I, I think I wanted readers to be able to hear the story freshly and mm-hmm. maybe differently than they had previously heard it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, you know, Advent is the, the, the time leading up to Christmas is for me kind of a time to remember my own coming to faith. And so I guess I have that this idea that I want readers to maybe think about their own advents as believers in the beginning of the spiritual uh, year in a way. Think of it as the end of the year, but it's really the beginning of when all of the Jesus part of things happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. I found it really helpful, your um, description of the troth. Uh manger. Yeah. Uh, um, could, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's maybe my favorite um, chapter of the book. It's called Frost. Really? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a good example of how I write. I like to pull different um, experiences and stories together into one thematic whole. And I live on a farm. And so, and but I, because I married a farmer kind of <laughs> later in life, um, experience of farm. So everything to do with farms was also new to me when I got married. And one of the things that we were always having to deal with was troughs. So I learned a lot about troughs. We had to have mm-hmm. feed troughs for our cattle. We had a, a cow-calf operation. And um, there were always troughs that we were having to drag in and out of fields because we used feeding as a way to move cattle around. And we were having to buy troughs and make troughs out of water heater insides and do stuff with troughs. And so I talk a little bit about that in the um, essay because um, I had a class, and this is a whole other story, a class Mm -hmm. uh, at the university where I teach, um, which was about translation, and they were translating a story that had a trough in it. And Mm -hmm. none of them translated it correctly because they didn't really know what a trough was. So I went into kind of like a one of these teachable moment diatribes (laughs) about here's all the stuff you need to know about what troughs are. You know, Jesus was born when he was born, he was born in a stable that had a trough in it. And that's where they put Jesus into this dirty, um, probably had cow poop in it or whatever kind of livestock poop in it because they poop all over the place and climb up in them and get on them and slobber from animals and probably rat poops and all kinds of horrible stuff. And here we are in this, in this 
stable with this newborn child being put into this really grotesque sort of place. And yet, Mm. I don't think um, most people realize when they read that Jesus was born in a manger, they don't realize that that's what a manger is. So I go a little Mm -hmm. bit into word history, the history of the English language, and the fact that the Norman Conquest led to a lot of our words being Frenchified. And so we Mm -hmm. used, they used in the earlier versions of scripture, like the King James Version, they used this word manger to mean trough. That's what it means. It comes Mm -hmm. from the French manger, and it means this is what they eat out of. And Mm -hmm. without knowing any of this stuff, you can't really get to the really interesting thing at the at the foundation of all this is that Jesus lowered himself so much as to not just be born as a human, not just, um, you know, be poor, not just be kicked out into this, this stable room, but he was put his baby body, his helpless baby body was mm-hmm. put into this disgusting receptacle. And we tend to think of the manger as this cute little Jesus bassinet, but it really isn't a <laughs> Jesus bassinet. It's a, it's a feed trough. Mm-hmm. You did this well and, and helped me in kind of conceptualizing the whole picture that in a sense, Jesus was born to, I mean, in a worldly sense, some of the worst circumstances a person could be born into. Way stooping lower than most of us have ever had to dupe. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, beyond the troth, but just the circumstances of his birth and his family, the political season, the family refugee yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really moving to me. Um, and it was moving to me the Christmas that I really started thinking about that. Wow, a troth. <laughs> yeah, would you put a baby in a troth, Patty? <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to, I suppose, if there was no other place and I just couldn't stand to carry it any longer, maybe, but no, yeah. probably not. <laughs> what is the season for you as we've entered into Advent? Um, what are some of the pieces that, that you carry with you uh, in this season? Well, um, I guess, as I was saying earlier, my years of atheism. During my years of atheism, I was somebody who mourned in some sort of private way my loss of faith. I wasn't a like in-your-face kind of atheist and I don't believe kind of atheist. I was a, an atheist full of longing for God and feeling like God's presence just had somehow escaped me and I couldn't get a sense of it anymore. So during all those years of my atheism, Um, I was like hanging out with other non-believers and we would have Christmas parties and sing Christmas carols and everybody, all these non-believers who were from different places and the way I lived abroad a long time, were from different places in the world. We would share Christmas carols and sing Christmas carols together and they knew all the words of the story of Jesus's birth as a human they knew all the whole story but they didn't know it at the same time so there's kind of that that I bring into the Christmas season that experience and then as a graduate student 
um, in my 20s, I was the victim of a violent crime, um, held up and sexually assaulted in a phone booth. And that happened at the very end of the fall semester at Christmas time. And so mm-hmm. as a result of that, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. And at Christmas time, a lot of when you have PTSD, it, a lot of environmental things like the weather changing and noticing a particular date and things like that, they serve as triggers. So I'm triggered at Christmas time. So that's mm. a real emotional um, downer for me um, in a lot of ways. And then, um, just, you know, as soon as Thanksgiving starts happening, there start to be all the Christmassy nests of the world. And for, I guess for reasons of my history as a non-believer, um, I find that like really, really exciting that like I go to Walmart and there are Christmas songs playing and the people around me in the store are putting Christmassy stuff into their carts and they're, they're contributing to the celebration of this thing that nobody's really actually thinking about, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm hoping they're thinking about it. It's just this really exciting time for me. I, I thought the way you, you wrote the, the, the section about the trauma you experienced, mm-hmm. I just thought it was so beautiful the way you were able to I mean, kind of be very honest about it, but to kind of pull beauty into that and some of the deeper lessons you learned in it. And thank you for writing about that. Oh, well, thank, it's so helpful. Thank you for saying so. I, I mean, I really found, I find I, every year, some little part of my Christmas season, less and less, the more I've learned to deal with PTSD, but some part of my Christmas season, I will become really kind of depressed because of past events and Christmas music ministers to me like nothing else. I mean, a lot of the songs that I talk about in that particular chapter are sort of um, my salvation during Christmas in a way, you know? (laughs) I mean, it would it would make total sense if you hated Christmas. Yeah, it would. Um, I don't know. I, I think God uses it to reach me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never know what to do with, with Advent and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. And, and they're, you know, pieces of the kind of commercialism and the kind of over-the-top stuff that I just find quite amusing. Um, but with Advent, I never quite know what to do with it. And um, last week I interviewed a, a lady about Advent, and she talked a lot about waiting and what does it mean to wait and how do we wait well and such. Um, but what what type of things might you say for someone like myself doesn't quite know what to do with Advent or how we celebrate it? Um, how do we celebrate it? Well, I think looking just at the word Advent and realizing it means the coming, the coming of something. Just today um, on the way to uh, school, I was listening to the radio and the word Advent came up and I was thinking, you know, the Israelites were waiting and for the coming of a Messiah. And we are waiting, we as believers are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. And just 
I mean, I guess this whole idea of expectation, not just waiting, but expecting something good is coming, just like mm-hmm. children do, like turning turning the Advent season for yourself into what is it I want good to happen? This is a, a future time of the year, a time to be in future tense, like what's what's about to happen um, and how, do, how can I get myself excited about that thing that's about to happen? Um, mm-hmm. And there are like kids waiting for presents they expect to get. There's that kind of way of being excited about something about to happen. But I don't know. I mean, I think I would I would do something in my practice of faith where I start thinking about what good thing am I expecting hmm. from a spiritual perspective? What are those things? And how do I make myself on a kind of a specifically in this period of of the year, how do I make myself more actively aware of the connection between the now and the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's I good. I, I like. I don't know if that makes any sense, actually. But <laughs> oh, oh no, it does. I I really like this line. What good am I expecting from a spiritual perspective? Yeah. Of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you expecting this year? Can I ask? expecting um well i think for me i'm just i'm um taking this idea and and wondering what would that look like to just take some time um perfectly and meditatively to ask that question all right i mean so like what am i expecting spiritually i'm always in this place where i want i'm i'm wanting to be better at praying or better at, at um, talking about spiritual matters with my daughters or better at, at involving myself in actively in my little mission field of students and daughters and so forth. Um, So, you know, I guess in my, in my prayers, Praying expectantly would be maybe instead of praying in this way where I'm criticizing myself and finding Mm -hmm. fault with myself, praying with an expectation that my desires for my own spiritual life will be realized um, Mm -hmm. in the coming year. That what I want spiritually, what I'm asking, just as God says, you know, anything that you ask in the name of my son is yours, that this of all requests that I might have is one that I'm sure God is longing to fulfill and to come to a place where I could expect that to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. An exciting Mm -hmm. place to go. Uh, The the word that comes to mind is hope. Yeah. That these are, these are prayers that are just filled with hope. Yeah. So turning my hopes into, into realities. Yes. Uh Uh That's good. So like if we were to think of the the Israelites hoping for Messiah expectantly waiting Mm -hmm. and then, and then maybe for us in celebrating Advent to think in terms of what are the hopes that we have, the expectant prayers Mm -hmm. for what's to come. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I like that. That's good. (laughs) Well, you, you know, when I read this book some time ago, it, it really, gave me a sense of the earthiness of 
Christmas and uh-huh. Advent. And um, um, I, I, I like how you see, I mean, a lot of times people will disparage um, the commercialization mm-hmm. um, of Christmas, but you don't so much. No, I don't. Um, again, you know, I mean, like this is when the, when the angels came to the shepherds, they said, this is good news of great joy. And I think all the stuff of Christmas is like celebration. It's turning, it's really taking the angels at their word and experiencing the birth of Jesus as good news of great joy. And like, I bought this thing the other day. Um, My husband and I were at Target and we bought against his desires. I saw this thing that sprayed little flecks of green up, uh, twinkling flecks of green up onto your house. Um, and so Ooh, I have one of did those. It's green and red. You mean the ones with the lights, yeah, the, the yeah, LED lights? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah it's- so I talked him into it. We bought it. It cost forty nine ninety five. And brought it home. And when he, of course, he'd be the one that has to go set it up and everything like that. So he goes out and he sets it up and he comes in and he is electrified. He is so excited (laughs) because it's so exciting to see these like flickering lights over the front of my house. And it's just like it, it's, it gives a physical expression to our excitement at Christmas time to the excitement of the birth of Jesus in our world. Um, to me, these are, you know, Catholicism, the, the religion of my childhood is so much more physical and um, sensory in mm. its practice of faith in its services, for example, with incense and processions and special clothes for different occasions and, you know, the priest wearing special clothes and you wearing special clothes and gestures of the crossing of yourself and all of these different things are kind of like involving your entire body and your entire emotional apparatus in um, worship. And I think one part that that we can claim as Christians, regardless of what version of the faith we practice, mm-hmm. is that, you know, the recognizing that when we get excited, it's it's a good thing. It's what we're supposed to be getting, is mm-hmm. excited about this thing. Mm-hmm. So buying Christmas lights from Target. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of holiness I there. It is. I mean, I think that this is this is a gospel of Christmas. One of the good newses of Christmas is, or one of the good newses of of Jesus at all is that he was born. He was a, born as a human being, that God liked us so much that he, he sent us this way of coming to him, and it involved God himself becoming human. This is super exciting, good news stuff, and... Um, I, I, I like everything that has to do with us celebrating this as good news. Mm, that's good. That's good. So, so I, I grew up in a, a, a family that, I mean, we did holidays and such, but it wasn't. I mean, here's, here's the, the family joke. Apparently, one year for Thanksgiving, we um, cleaned the garage and ate peanut butter sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so my brother and I, we... 
relentlessly make fun of my parents for that. And I celebrate that tradition every Thanksgiving. I, I clean something and eat a peanut butter sandwich, uh-huh. as well as all the other Thanksgiving things and such. But all that to say, uh, Christy, the woman I'm married to, very much likes to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's always, you know, kind of pushing me to, uh, you know, put the lights up with some sense beyond obligation. Mm-hmm. But like, let's, you know, celebrate this. And so it's been this journey for me for a number of years of how do I celebrate these things? Learning and, how to celebrate. Mm. Yeah. Like for you not getting into Advent, this is, that's your, your assignment then is I'm going to learn how to celebrate whatever ways are the ways that like, don't just go to what Christy says are the ways to celebrate. You need to figure out Mm. when you are celebrating something that you really Mm -hmm. care about. And I don't know what those things are in your life, but there probably are things that on some level you do want to celebrate. Maybe in your family, it wasn't Thanksgiving, but maybe it was birthdays or maybe it was a new pet or maybe, I don't know what it was, but the ways that you celebrate, you need to tap into those and figure out how to, how to make that happen during Christmas. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been so fun for me talking with people like yourself and and others about you know as we enter into advent as to how, how do we go beyond just you know the songs and some candles being lit and such um but to really enter into the church calendar yeah it's kind of fun it is <laughs> today in my in one of my classes well actually in two of my classes um in my grammar class i came in first thing in the morning it's a really hard class they're about to have their finals. It's the last day of the semester, and they're stressed out, um, have lots of things due in all of their classes, and our, my class is the hardest class, they all say, that they've ever taken. And I came in with, a little bit early, with muffins that I had made, eggnog muffins. Mm-hmm. and Eggnog muffins? Yes, they were. And oh. I used those <laughs> to bribe them to sing with me, because for me... I don't belong to a singing group or anything like that, but singing with other people is one of these kind of things that I like to do to celebrate. And I made them sing my favorite Christmas song and a current favorite Christmas song. And it was Uh not known to anybody in the classes. So they all had to learn it and we learned it and we sang it. And that was, you know, (laughs) blew my dress up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. A grammar class with eggnog, muffins, and singing. Singing, yep. Go John Brown University, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love and it. And they like it, too. I mean, it's the, I think there's something quintessentially healthy about singing with other people, and they. I think it, it does something really wonderful inside of us when we sing together. Mm, it does, doesn't it? There's something special about that, even if it doesn't sound very good. Yeah. We're, we're joining in together. Yeah. It's kind of playful in a way. It is. It is. I'm so glad to hear you're continuing to write. Do tell us just a, a little bit about your new book. Well, it's a kind of a dark one. It's called Fractured Families of the Bible. <laughs> to say all the families of the Bible, but I'm just looking at a select few. I say, yeah, there's a lot to choose from in there. Yeah, and how reading about these messed up families, kind of um, what we can get from it about dealing with our own inevitably messed up families. 
Uh, very nice. Fractured families of the Bible. Yep. <laughs> Goes well with uh, the gospel of Christmas, huh? <laughs> Patty, this is so helpful. Thank you for taking the time today. You're welcome. I've had a really good time. Well, there you have it. Again, Patty Kirk's book is titled The Gospel of Christmas, Reflections for Advent. She's the author of a number of other books, including The Easy Burden of Pleasing God and A Field Guide to God, A Seeker's Manual. Hey, you may have noticed we changed to our Christmas podcast music. The song you're hearing is from Carolyn Ahrens. It's titled The Sound. You should hear the whole version. It's a really good Christmas song. So we've just finished up the first book in the book club, and if you'd like to gift a subscription to someone, there are three books remaining. We'll even send a customized gift certificate that you can wrap and put under the tree. We're starting on January 1st, and the remaining books are The Hiding Place, Screwtape Letters, and Chris Hall's new book, Living Wisely with the Church Fathers. You can find out more on our website at renovare.org slash book club. Hey, thanks for listening, and may your Advent waiting be done with God, and may your prayers be filled with hopeful anticipation for what is to come, both in this life and then the next. Have a great week.